Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. When did Christmas start for you this year? Do you remember when you kind of started to turn on the radio and think about decorations and already start talking about gifts? I, I remember very vividly when I was a little boy that Christmas started no sooner than the day after Thanksgiving. And if my siblings were here, they'd all be kind of chuckling because they always teased me for being a bit of a traditionalist with this. Like Thanksgiving, it's Thanksgiving. And then, no, we're not, we're not, no, no Christmas talk yet. Then day after Thanksgiving, all right, now we can talk about Thanksgiving, or even Christmas. And we, then the day after, we went, we went and got the tree, we stopped by this one dairy, we got eggnog, put the lights up. It was, it was just a merry old time. It was just one day, the day after Thanksgiving, and no sooner. And I don't remember growing up it ever being sooner than that. But that was just the microcosm that is my world. Did, did any of you remember that? Like, I remember talking to some of you, and I remember even talking to my grandparents about this, and this is going to blow some of your minds. My grandfather told me that they used to not set up until, like, two weeks before Christmas. That's nuts. Like, where's the Christmas spirit? <laughs> Do some of you remember that? Like, it was always way long after. Do you know when things started this year? Yeah, November 1st. My son played a trick on me because I still kind of had this pretend rule. He's like, Dad, can you turn it on this station? And I turn it on. It was Christmas. I'm like, oh, that's not funny. But it kind of was. But it's already November 1st. The Christmas music was on. I won't sell out other people in my house who may have already started listening to it. But it was, I, I walked in trying to find the prospect of a rake on sale. And it was the Monday after Halloween. And it was like a Christmas grenade went off. There was lights and and garland, and Santa, and reindeer, and elves, and nativity scenes all over the place, inflatables, any size and shape and color that you wanted. It was only a couple days after all the goblins and witches and black cats and stuff from Halloween, and, and that, that was quick. All the boxes were in back, ready to overdo the inventory on the shelves. Anyone else see this? Did you go to the, go to the store? Okay, I'm not alone in this. And, and November 1st, it just kind of seems like that's even a little bit earlier than last year, or am I just getting old and my memory's fading because that's how early it was last year? I'm, I'm willing to be wrong in this. It, is that happening? Is it earlier? Okay. Some of you, either we're all in ignorance or we're just all, in, we're all in this together or, or that's actually a thing. It just seems to be getting earlier and earlier. When did it start for you? Did you kind of delay a little bit? Like you want to get to mid-November because, you know, you're going to, you're really patient. Some of you, I know somebody in, in our neighborhood as you drive right by already had the tree up. I think it wasn't even November yet. And I just thought, wow. That's pushing it. Is that some of you? It's okay. God's not mad about it. Just curious. When did, when did it actually start for you? There used to be a part of me, as I mentioned before, was a bit of a traditionalist, where if you didn't wait till after Thanksgiving, you're not thankful enough. I'm teasing. I'm not really, really of that mind, nor have I ever been, but I always thought, you got to wait till at least after Thanksgiving. And it almost, this is years and years ago, it almost used to bother me a little bit when all the decorations would kind of go up, like even before Thanksgiving, like, where's the respect for all the oranges and the browns and the reds and the turkey? But I don't really think that anymore. In fact, I kind of like it. And you want to know why? Because yes, it's true that things are going up earlier and earlier, at least so it seems. And I think I know why. 
And if you think for a second, yeah, it's because of commercialism and money and greed and stuff. No, that's, that's only half of it. Because even if that was the case, you'd also have to account for the vast majority of people who buy it. And not just that they insert their card or swipe it and actually buy the stuff that's on the shelves, but actually buy into this entire cultural mindset that we've had for a long time now, which is let's bump Christmas earlier and earlier and also celebrate it later and later so that it covers almost a quarter of the year if you pause and think about it. Do you know why that is? Maybe that's a better question. Why is it that people who are not just Christian, but people who are atheists and agnostics, people who are burnt out Christian, people who are something else, well, well, almost all of them look for something in this season to such a degree that they're not going to balk at the look of it, the decorations of it, the sounds of it, and therefore even the length of it. Do you know why that is? It's because of all the seasons, yes, even more than baseball season and football season, people are looking to Christmas for something that they know they can't find anywhere else. And for the vast majority of people, they can't put their finger on it. It's more than just some nostalgic feeling of the past or some idyllic hope of the future. It is, it is a desire to try and get something out of this very special time that they can't find anywhere else. Some hope that's going to last more than just the physical, fickle, temporary nature of the season, some peace that's going to matter, not just in the microcosm of their own world, but worldwide. Some joy and some love that's not just going to well up for a time, but it's actually going to be purposeful and for eternity. People are looking for that, and longer and longer the season gets, I kind of hope it even gets longer, because Christmas, unlike any other season, whether people believe it or not, is the one season that drives everybody, or at least it should, to the one place where they can find absolutely everything that they want. In fact, it's everything that they should want, everything that they are hopefully looking for. And I think our culture has been doing that for a long time. This is nothing new. In the lesson that I read to you earlier from Isaiah chapter 2, there were some dark clouds looming on the horizon for God's people, Jerusalem and Judah. Assyria was heading southward. They would wipe away Israel, the northern kingdom, and they would pretty much whip up on Judah. They would even besiege Jerusalem, and they wouldn't overtake them, but Babylon was coming, and God, through his mouthpiece, 700 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah, would, for the first half of this book, give people not just a recounting of history past, but also promises of what is, what is happening and what would happen in the future. And this didn't look bright for God's people, but they kind of were really searching and longing and they weren't really looking in all of the right places. You see, in other places in Isaiah, God would point to all of the places where they were looking. They, they were caught up in the times. They were so distracted by the commercialism of their day. They had done okay for themselves and everything had been relatively peaceful, but because they had become lazy in their worship and lackluster in their focus on God, there was a time that was coming when God, like a father, was going to discipline his children. Assyria was coming. And Babylon was coming. And God would only do this in order to preserve his great, unpredictable promise to send the Savior through their line, 
for people like them and for people like you and me. And so he describes this time, as you saw in our lesson. It does not look dark at all. It sounds like something that could be set to the tune of a Christmas carol. It's beautiful. What marvelous words as people would stream to the mountain of the Lord, almost like a family gathering around the Christmas tree. This family that would long to hear the law of the Lord and they would walk in light almost as if it's that time when the children actually kind of behave and they've got over the gift jitters and the sugar and then they finally want to pause and listen for a second to the things that their parents want to say to them out of love and out of care and out of encouragement. And God has this entire scene set up and it's all where? It's this mountain of the Lord. And do you know what he's talking about as he describes this mountain of the Lord? Some of you might think, well, this is the place, this is Zion, this is Jerusalem, this is the place where God would bring his temple and set it up and everybody would stream. In fact, nations, that is non-Jews, they would even have this area outside the temple where they could gather and to hear the promises of God and to know that all of these sacrifices would one day be fulfilled in the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world. Maybe that's what he's talking about. Jerusalem in the olden days, when it was great and grand and glorious. No. Well, maybe he's talking about some other time. Mount Zion, when, when God would, would bring to an end the culmination of his work in Christ, who would march into the city of his death on a donkey, the, a colt, the foal of a donkey, and everybody would herald his coming, even saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, calling him, calling him a king, calling him the son of David. And it was all over before it even started. Jesus battling against sin, death, and the devil, conquering it all on the cross and in the empty tomb. That all happened on that place in Jerusalem, Mount Zion. Is that all that he's talking about? Nope. Let's see if you can pick it up. God is talking about a place, not just in some distant, idyllic future, but he is talking about a place always existent, where God's people would hear his word and they would know that they are descendants of Jacob, sons and daughters of Jacob's greater father, children of our heavenly father by faith, where they would hear the words of God and they would know that they are hearing something that the rest of the world can't give them. They would sing out on account of all of the wonderful things that God has done for them, not just for this time, but for all eternity. They would long for the day when Jesus, the culmination of all of God's work, would not just come that first time, but would long to celebrate when he would come again. Can you think of this place where this happens, where God's people gather together when they could be doing just about a million other things? Where they hear God's word read and preached, prayed and sung where they bump into, at least for this time, the place that reminds them of where God put his name on them in the waters of baptism. Where they don't just celebrate this great feast on some literal Mount Zion, but the proverbial Mount Zion, the culmination of God's people, they get a foretaste of that as God doesn't just give them words to hear in their ears and sights to see, but he gives them eternal blessings to receive and to taste and to touch. Christ's body and blood in the Lord's Supper. And all God's people, greater than Christmas 
Eve or Christmas Day, whatever your fancy, greater than gathering around that tree. They, they gather around and cannot wait to hear once again how God has brought to an end every enemy. Swords are made into plowshares, spears, hooks for pruning. And how is it that God would take care of everything that haunts you and gets in the way? In a completely unpredictable way. Through his son. The question that you have to ask with me today is not whether or not God, through promises like this and every other, gives you everything that you need. The question that you have to ask with me today, I'm pleading you, is not even whether or not you want everything that God wants for you. The question that you have to ask, I'm begging you, is whether or not you actually do want this. God is speaking through Isaiah to people who were so distracted by the political climate, by looming economic uncertainty, by religious indifference, and by apathy they couldn't even identify. Is that only one time in the world's history that that's been happening? Or does that sound a whole lot like December of 2019 to you? You can look at the lights and the decorations and please do. Prepare for the gifts and fill all your schedules, please do. Have all the joys and even identify the ugly sweater you're going to wear, please do. Talk about what family's going to do what and whether you're going to get the carrots or the shrimp cocktail, please do. What type of cookie? Because you know you can't just have one kind of cookie. You have to have 30. You can talk about which one you're going to prepare. Please do. But if you get so distracted in everything that's going on, then it's not a matter of whether or not I can stand here and you can sit there and we can remind one another out of Christian love whether or not we're identifying or focusing on the reason for the season. It's, it's far deeper than that. It's whether or not we actually even want to give that a try. Do you want the things that God wants for you? Because, my friends, this is the sum and substance. What you see behind all of those words in Isaiah 2 is not just what people are saying. It's why. It's their, they basically are saying, we want this. We have to have this. This is the greatest thing ever. They're not caring about anything else. Don't even just look at the words that Isaiah is saying. Look at all the things that he's not saying. He could not care less about a million other things that are going on in the world. The one thing that matters is what God gives. And my friends, only in this way do you actually get everything that you want. The question is, do you even want the right thing? I know that's a kind of a bold question for me to ask of you, but do you, are you sure you even want all the right things? Here in December, we can kind of look back on 11 months and we can ask ourselves, did we want all of the right things for ourselves and the people we love so far in 2019? Answer, were all of your desires perfectly placed? You wanted everything properly and rightly and for the right reasons? No! The only way that's possible is if you wanted only one thing and then you focused on that and that was it so you didn't screw up on a million other things. It's not possible to have perfect wants. So the question that I'm asking you is, is this something you even wanted? Wanted is kind of a difficult question to wrestle with 
at the outset, the only reason I'm asking you to ask this of yourself, and in all fairness, the only reason I'm asking this of me, is because God has already given us everything that we could have ever wanted. It's already done. You see that in these words. He's talking about peace that is already accomplished, but this peace wouldn't be accomplished for 700 years. He's talking about justice that was as good as done, but this justice wouldn't be accomplished for another 700 years in the person and work of Christ. So how can this be? Don't just look at what is being said. Look at what is going on behind what's being said. God is saying all these words not just because he gives what is good and gives what we need. He gives everything that we could have ever wanted. And in these words, God pulls back the curtain and the clouds in our minds and encourages us not just to see the things that we actually should want, but he even breathes inside of us a desire to want these things. I will prove it to you. Of all the things that he mentions, he mentions swords being flattened into plowshares and other war weapon, weapons into, into pruning hooks, spears into pruning hooks. Tell me, how is it that you and I would get to a place where we would have no need for weapons anymore, of any kind? If we ever got to that place, we would say that that place is perfect peace. But that's not how we function in this world, is it? The only way for you to feel peace is what? If you have protection nearby, if you're close to the people who you know will take care of you, and if you know that there is no threat of danger immediately about to attack you because you know that the threat of danger still exists out there. Am I right? The only way you and I find peace is not by getting rid of weapons. Weapons in whatever shape or form are something that we in this world have to have in order to ensure peace. So how in the world is it that we would ever be in a place where there would be peace with no weapons? The only way that that would exist is if there is a God who cares eternally about justice, and not just justice for himself, but justice that he would give to you. Notice, he says that it is through these, or without these weapons, that he would actually bring about this state of peace. In fact, this state of peace would cause you to have no need for any worldly weapons or wisdom to try and create peace for yourself because this justice, this peace, comes from outside of you. And think of what this justice means for you. Everything in this world that is broken, any injustice to any human being for whatever ridiculous reason, nobody has any time or respect for that, or at least they shouldn't. Whether it's because of a person's upbringing, or a person's skin color, or where a person exists on the socioeconomic spectrum, or where a person is from, or how they talk, or how they live, or how they dress, injustice to anyone, all of us would agree is improper, or at least we should. And since we all agree, because that mechanism exists inside of us, or at least it should, the God of heaven and earth cannot tolerate injustice either. And so what does he tell you? He tells you that he is going to bring about justice, but it's not going to be through worldly weapons or worldly wisdom. In fact, he has no need for those things at all. The things that you and I care the most about in this world will be removed as far as those things that distract us from the Lord. And so what he brings about instead is this way of peace where everything that is wrong and broken would be taken care of. Well, how is it that God would do that? He would take the root cause of injustice, that is evil, sin, the root behind all fear, that is death and the evil one, and he would conquer all of that and bring about peace. What, what is the way that God would do that? 
It would only be through his son. And God would tell you that the only thing he wants for you is not just to be a recipient of these eternal blessings, but that you would also want this. So whatever it is that has your schedules filled this season, whatever it is that is your prerogative and your priority, whatever it is that gets you excited about all things December and January, all of those things are wonderful, fine and good, and I will be the last person to tell you that they're wrong. So long as, so long as you and I can remind ourselves that God doesn't just give us everything that we need. He has already given us everything that we could have ever wanted in his son. The promise that he is going to take care of all injustice. The promise that peace is not brought about by some fickle human effort, but it is already secured through the work of his son, his life and his death for you. The promise that your place in heaven is secured and nothing can take that away. And as unpredictable as all of these promises would be, God would make them 700 years before his son would ever come. And he would tell you that they are all for you. All of this from a God who must love you. Therefore, I invite you to join me as we remind ourselves to rest in all of these promises this, this season. Rest assured, my friends. All of these promises are for you, and when that is your focus, then not only is this everything that we ever could have wanted, we begin to want everything that we've already been given. May God grant that to us all. Amen.